welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, welcome to church, everyone. If you saw that recap video for Sparkle, you probably noticed that uh, Pastor Charlotte spoke two different messages for our conference, and now she has graciously stayed and is going to speak a third message to us tonight. And yeah, so we are just so honored to have her. She's such a great friend of our house, and she's been here many times. And Charlotte is an amazing investor in people. That's what she loves to do. She's been in church leadership for over 26 years. Her and her husband, Steve, they have two kids. And she is just an incredible, incredible Bible teacher. She starts started a mentorship program. She's written 16 books. I mean, she is just, I don't know what more you can say. She's done it all. So we, will you please help me in welcoming to the stage Charlotte Gamble. bossy. It's a joy to be here and uh, I want to thank you for inviting me to be part of the Sparkle Conference, but extending to me the opportunity to be with the church is always my favourite thing. I love being with the girls, but I'm a church builder and we need both to be in the room to build church well together. And so I always actually don't consider it a burden or an add-on to speak to the church. I consider it a privilege. That's what I've given my life to do. And maybe this is the first time that you are used to hearing me. Well, just to clear it up right up front, I don't have an accent. Y'all have an accent because I speak English. Okay, so, but honestly, like this is my favourite thing to do because the Word of God changes us like nothing else can. And helps us build our life in the way that He intended us to build our life. And so I don't take this responsibility lightly. I know that I did not build this podium or this platform and I'm stepping into what someone else has labored over for many years. And so I'm very mindful of the weight of this moment. So I always ask if you will stay standing because I always believe that God's Word is about to go to work in our lives. But I also know that you can be in a room like this and just we can be distracted, we can be weary, we can kind of have been through a conference all weekend and heard a lot of words. And I just don't want anyone to miss what God has for them. And the Bible talks about how the Word of God is a seed, but how we are the soil. And he talks about different soil, how some's distracted and some's hard. And, and depending on the condition of the soil is how well the seed does. And that's why you can be in a service and some people walk out the door and they've had a complete transformation. And other people walk out the door and nothing's changed. It's not the seed. It's the soil, right? And the soil is not my responsibility. The soil's your responsibility. So God, we just take a moment to take responsibility for the soil of our life. God, many of us have all kinds of concerns right now and questions. And maybe we're weary or, or maybe we've just become apathetic to your ways. But God, you're here. 
And your word is living and it's active. And God, you predestined this moment. You've already gone ahead of us in this moment. God, I believe right now you want to give seed to this house, to these people that can transform their future. So God, I pray in these next few moments that you would have your way and that I would get out of the way. God, I pray every heart would be open and everyone would be receptive to make the change that you are looking for us to make. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may take your seats. So I am a local church girl. That's what I have been raised to be. That's what I chose to be. I've lived my whole life serving in the same church. I love the house of God. And so I want to invest into this house, the word that I have on my heart. And so if you are looking for a bless me word, you're probably in the wrong service. I'm sorry to announce you, but the doors are shut, so you can't go anywhere now. And This is more of a build you word and build you words land differently in our life than maybe a bless you word does. They challenge you and they kind of rough you up a little bit in the best possible way. But I really believe God wants to build you today and ask you today to actually come to new levels with Him. I believe there are new levels that God has for all of us in the season ahead. I think there's new levels for this house and this church that God is inviting you into, but it will demand something different from us than what we have done previously. I don't know about what it was like over here, but we've had a crazy few years. Can I get a good amen? Crazy few years. In England, that looked like 18 months of complete lockdown. It looked like living in a way where we couldn't even leave our homes. I know that in America, it was different in different states and different places, but we watched a pandemic. We've watched political unrest. We've watched a lot of fighting and rioting. There's been a lot going on and it's been overwhelming at times for us as the people of God to find where it is that we should be standing, what we should be saying. And in all of that confusion and in some of that places of being overwhelmed, I think we now find ourselves regrouping, regathering, and in many ways rebuilding. And I just believe that the enemy has had a subplot going on this entire time that I want us to be wise to today. I I want you to have your eyes wide open to something that has happened in the church. And I have the privilege of traveling globally and seeing the church. Therefore, I speak with an authority on what I have seen because I've witnessed it in more than one location. But I honestly believe that the enemy's subplot was to give the church altitude sickness. I think we've been through a season where everybody began to step back and in stepping back even began to step down. We went through a season where we were told we couldn't meet and so we began to step away from community. We went through a season where we became nervous about the economy and we began to step back in our generosity. We went through a season where we weren't sure where we stood, so we began to step down. And instead of standing, we began to sit and all across the globe, I think the church began to develop a fear of heights. I don't really want my head to stick out above the parapet because what if that causes me more hostility? I'm not really sure that I want to really say what it is that I think I'm supposed to say because what might happen if I do? And so all of a sudden where the church had been bold and had been courageous, the church got a little bit of whiplash and began to go more introverted and began to feel more disconnected. And in all of it, I think we just began to, in some ways, in all of our lives, have a little bit of stepping more down than we were stepping up. 
I'm a little bit nervous to step out. I'm a little bit nervous to give like I used to. I'm a little bit nervous to show up in the same way. And as we begin to re-enter, as it were, our worlds and our lives and rebuild in some areas, I think there's a bit of altitude sickness, a little bit of a fear of heights. But the Bible tells us in Isaiah 55 that God's ways are higher, that His thoughts are higher, that He's calling us higher. And in no version of the Bible does it say, but if you can't handle it right now, I'll bring it all lower. And I'm here to let you know that God has some things for you, for your marriage, for your future, for your career, for this house. But these things that He has for you as a church, they are higher and God is not going to bring them lower to where we feel our altitude sickness has placed us. He's gonna ask us to shake off what the enemy put on us and begin to believe again and step up again and reach out again and climb again. Now listen, I work out. I don't work out because I like to. I work out because I like to eat. And so I work out and next year I will be 50. And so I work out and every day I try and run about six or seven miles. And so I go on my treadmill and I do my miles and, and I use my treadmill and I, I'm, I've got pretty good at the treadmill and I, I've got my pace and I can get my exercise done. But there is a button on my treadmill that I have never once used, nor do I intend to use. And actually it offends me that someone put it on my treadmill because I did not request this button. And this button is the button that says incline. I'm like, nobody got no time for that. Like, I'm already running. Why would you suggest to me that that's not good enough and I should run up a hill? But on my treadmill, if I were to push the button incline, I could be running and on the screen of my treadmill, it will show me that I am running around the Grand Canyon. It will show me that I am running up all of those hills. It'll show me fake people that are fake waving at me and I'm fake waving back at them like I am doing something other than being on the flat. But the truth is that when I step off my treadmill, Though I am exhausted and though I am tired, I am in the exact same position as I was before I got on my treadmill. And I just sense so many of our lives have been like a treadmill experience, going through the motions, showing up at church, going to your job, doing your marriage, seeing your children, and you're exhausted from it, but you've not gone any higher in any of it. And so there's a button that you need to start pressing that changes the gradient of your faith and the gradient of your life so that after you exert the energy, you actually are in a place where your ways are higher and the thoughts are higher and your life is higher because that's where God intended you to live. You were not born for lo lower, you were born for higher. But God's a good parent. He's not gonna bring that stuff down to you. It's kind of like when we have friends come over for dinner. If our friends that are coming over for dinner have attached to them little people, before they arrive, like 10 minutes out before they arrive, I can just say to my house, hey, they're 10 minutes out and everybody in my household knows exactly what I mean. What I mean is anything that is valuable, it needs to go higher. They're 10 minutes away, the little people are coming. So everything that's worth anything needs to go in a place where they cannot reach it. And I'm not doing that because I don't like the little people. I'm doing that because I understand in their immaturity, they do not know the difference between their plastic drumstick and my glass candlestick. 
They don't know that if I bash something with this one, I will hurt myself because they don't understand the value between one thing and the other. And so I move things higher, not to punish them, but to protect them. And God is exactly the same when it comes to us and our lives and the church. He has put things higher for this house and higher for your life and higher for your ministry, but He is not gonna bring them lower until you understand the value of the thing that is higher. That's why some of you are praying for God to give you amazing opportunity and you're mad at God because He's not giving it to you. And God's like, I'll give it to you when you begin to become more mature so that what I give you does not ruin you. What I give you, you do not squander, but what I give you, you handle with integrity. Some of you are like, God, give me a million dollars. And God's like, I will when you tithe off your 30. God, give me the woman of my dreams. God's like, I will when you stop being an idiot. <laughs> like God's like, you want something of high value? You have to start living your life that values things higher. You have to start coming to a place where you begin to climb to the places where I have things for you, things that are good for you to prosper you, things that are good for you to advance you, but you're going to have to come higher. And so I wanna take you to a story in the Bible where God invites someone to come higher. And this journey of coming higher is a costly journey. And the journey church for us to go higher in God will also be costly. And this story almost is a difficult story to preach from because it's one of the stories you could read and go, why in the world would God do that? It almost seems cruel what God's about to ask of this servant. And yet God asks it anyway, because within the ask is the growth and is the expansion and is the brand new opportunity for generations to come. And it's the story of when God comes and sees Abraham and speaks to him about sacrificing his son. In Genesis 22, we find the story and the story is labeled, Abraham is tested. Well, let's just stop right there. We already don't like this story. Like, like God, why? Why do we need to be tested, God? Why, why, why are you testing me right now, God? Why am I going through a season of testing? We don't like the word tested or testing. But can I help you just before I even dive into this anymore with reframing the way you view God's testing? God is not testing you to punish you. God is testing you to graduate you. In other words, if I was to sit my driving test, is the driving examiner trying to punish me or is the driving examiner trying to promote me is he trying to get me to a stage where actually I now qualify for freedom that I don't have until I sit the test? If I was to study medicine and then finally sit my medical examinations, is the examining board trying to punish me or is the examining board trying to promote me into the next season of my future? If God is testing you, you should start thanking him because it means he sees something in you that's worth graduating. He's like, I think you're ready for the next level. I think you're ready for the car keys. I think you're ready for the certification to get out what's in you. So when God tests you, you need to change your attitude. And instead of being mad at God, say, thank you, God. You see something in me worth testing. So God comes and he tests Abraham. And there are three stages to this testing that take Abraham from where he is to seeing what God has called him to be. 
And those three stages, I believe we also have to journey through and I will take you through each one, but he goes through a testing and a stage of of elevation. And then he goes through a testing and a stage of preparation and finally a stage called revelation. So let's begin at the first stage of this increase, of this incline that he was gonna have to go on. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. When God's getting ready to move you higher, when God's getting ready to elevate your life, elevation will always begin with location. God is gonna elevate you, not from where you say you are, but where you actually are. He's like, Abraham, Abraham's, here I am. Remember when you were in school and they'd do the register call and they'd call out your name and each student, when their name was called, would have to say, here sir or here ma'am, or you'd have to acknowledge that you showed up today, that you're in class today, that you actually are in the lesson that has actually been planned for you today. Well, God needs the same from us. So many times we're asking God to do things, but we're not showing up in the lesson. We're not showing up in the classroom. We're not showing up. Some of you are are asking other people to show up in your church attendance for you. We'll just say I was there. Well, you weren't there. We'll just say I'm, I'm committed, but you're not committed. Will you attend for me? It doesn't work that way. I can't attend for you. Some of you right now, you're in that situation with your own children. Like, like where they've got to now start attending for themselves, not because you dragged them here. Like, like God's like, are you here? Are you present? You know, my husband, I love him, but you know, he has this thing, this male syndrome thing that I'm sure no male in this room has. I'm sure none of you are guilty of this male kind of problem. I would say it's more male than female. But if we ever get lost... And my husband's kind of not really sure which way we should be going, but he's pretending he is sure of which way we should be going. And the GPS is failing him and map reading is not his thing. We could be circling an area and I know we're not lost. He knows we're lost. I know we've already circled this building. He knows we've already circled this building. And I have the audacity to suggest, babe, why don't you just pull over, put your window down, and ask someone to help us because we're lost. Well, you think I'd said the worst thing possible. It's like, how dare you suggest that I would need to do that? I will figure it out. I know where we're going. Well, I know we don't know where we're going, but so often in our life, we're like that with God. I know what I'm doing. I know I'm doing this marriage, really, because the last time I looked, you've been circling this issue for five years. Uh, No, I've got this with my kids, really, because the last time I looked, it wasn't getting any better. It's, in fact, getting worse. I got this whole thing down, God. No, no, no. We've got to put our window down and say, here I am. This is the location I'm at. Because God wants to give you directions, not from your fake location, but from your real location. God wants to... Begin your increase with elevation. And so he says, Abraham, he says, here I am. And then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moira. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Well, wait a minute. Is God confused? Did he not have his latte this morning? 
Because God just said, take your son, your only son. But you and I know if you've read the Bible any amount of times that this was not his only son. He had another son. And so why is God saying, take your only son? There was another son. And so I studied the word only in this context. And the root word here of the word only is take your unique gift, your unique promise. God didn't want the thing that he'd manufactured in his own strength. God didn't want what he'd produced in his own impatience. God's elevation begins with our willingness to surrender the entrustments that he's given us. God's elevation in our lives, God's incline in our lives looks way more like laying things down than it does picking things up. God's elevation for your life and this house and my life and my ministry is not about accumulation, it's about consecration. And God's saying, hey, I'm gonna take you higher, but in order to go higher, you're gonna have to come lower so that I may increase, so that you must decrease. And that's why we don't like God's way of incline because God's way of incline often begins with surrender. So that I'm going to take you somewhere. I'm going, to, I'm going to take you on a journey. But before we go, I'm going to let you know the elevation looks like sacrifice. The increase begins with decrease. The way that I'm going to lead you means that something inside you has to be laid down. And the thing I'm after is the thing that I entrusted to you, the gift, the ministry, the call. I need you to lay it back down because I need to know whether that has a bigger grip on you or I have a bigger grip on you. So he's in this place of God saying to him, lay it down. And then God goes on to say these next words. He says, and I will send you to the mountain that I will show you. This is not a time for the church to just be climbing up any mountain. It's not a time for you and I just to be doing our thing. This is a time when we need to realize, God, if you haven't shown me the mountain, then I'm not climbing. God, I want to go up the mountain that you're asking me to go up. I want to increase where you want me to increase. I want to climb where you want me to climb. And so many of us over the last years of our life have got exhausted because we've been going up the wrong mountain, climbing the mountain of our careers or the mountain of followers or the mountain of popularity or the mountain of whatever achievements we've decided matter more. And we're on our mountain going, God, help me. And God's like, I ain't helping you. I didn't tell you to go up that mountain. You're on your own, buddy. Like, I didn't pick that mountain. You picked that mountain. I didn't ask you to go up and achieve that and do that. You decided to do that. If you want my grace on your life, if you want my goodness on your life, then ask me first, what's the elevation, God? Where do you want me to invest? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I am not here on this platform because I don't have anywhere else to be. There's a decision that you have to make to say, God, I don't know what it is that you need from me, but I lay down my gift and I'm asking you to show me the mountain where you need me to go is where I want to go. Where you need me to speak is where I want to speak. And so God said, I will show you the mountain. Maybe it's time, the season in your marriage or your family, if you wanted God to do something and you want to see him move, to start by answering the question, what mountain am I climbing right now? Who is this mountain about? God, show me the mountain. God, 
gave him the elevation. And once he had the elevation, then he could move on to the second thing that God requires from him, and that is preparation. Once you know the elevation, it helps you with your preparation. And I don't know if the Bible story, this is what Bible story was about me. I don't think verse three would exist. I'm just being honest. This was written about me and my journey with God. Verse three would not be in the Bible because God just told him something huge. Like, hey, I need you to lay down the very thing that you love. I need you to surrender the very thing that you've been asking and seeking me for. I'm asking that from you. And and I don't just want you to lay it down. I want you to sacrifice it. I mean, that's a lot to take in. But verse three says, early the next morning. If this was written about me, he would not say early the next morning. He would be like, she stayed in bed, pulled the covers over her head, Facebooked her friends and said, rebuke the devil. He is saying things to me that I know are not of God. I'd have called a prayer meeting to intercede so that I didn't have to do this thing. Like I would not be early the next morning. But he understood something that we've got to get back and understand when God asks something of us. He's looking for our obedience. And if we put delay between our obedience and when he's asked us in the gap that we create is usually when we get talked out of the miracle that he has. Somebody God told you to do something years ago and you're still going round the mountain in your conversations around the mountain, in your dialogue, because you put a delay gap in and there's some things that God asked for my life that if you don't respond immediately, you probably never will respond. And early the next morning, he gets up and early the next morning, he says he starts to chop the wood. Blows my mind. Because every piece of wood he chopped He knew what he was gonna have to do with that wood and who he was gonna have to lay down on that wood. He didn't ask someone else to chop the wood. He didn't delegate the responsibility to someone else. He was saying, I am chopping, I am doing the preparation that is required for the elevation that God is asking from me. See, preparation begins to determine what you do. Elevation says, this is what you need. If you said to me today, hey, after service tonight, Why don't you come with our family and we're going to go up the hillsides of Minneapolis. We're going to go view the hills and the mountains. We're going to go climb. I might say, awesome, let me go back and pack and I would prepare. And I'd probably take my camera and I'd probably take a picnic blanket and I'd take some food because we're going up the hills of Minnesota or Minneapolis. We're going going to go see the, the city from a different level. But if you said, hey, after service, I wonder if you want to come with us. We're going to go climb Mount Everest tomorrow. How many of you know I'm not packing a picnic blanket? Not taking a selfie stick. Not taking suntan lotion. I'm I'm packing things for an Everest trip that look very different than a hillside trip. That's why we have to see God's elevation because it determines our preparation. And he realizes, man, this mission that God's asking me to go on, I have to prepare not only what I will carry, but I have to also prepare my company. The Bible says he only took two servants with him. He selected two because he knew this is not a group booking. 
And then the two that came with him even selected how far they could come with him because he realized there's a point in this journey when I'm gonna pull a mouth, a knife out and you're gonna think I've lost my mind and you're gonna try and wrestle me to the ground because you think I'm crazy because you weren't there when God told me to do what I'm about to do. So I have to even prepare the company I have. I have to prepare the conversations I have. My sister moved to Switzerland a couple of years ago and you can't go anywhere in Switzerland without going up a hill. Everything is hilly. And so one day we decided with our family that we were gonna go up this particular mountain and we set off in the morning and it was beautiful and we were all chatting about what we were gonna have for dinner and what we were gonna do and what we were gonna see and there's lots of conversation and laughter. But the higher we were getting up this mountain, the lesser we were talking. And that's because the higher you go, the thinner the air becomes and your breath becomes more labored. Therefore, your conversation becomes more careful. And I just look at some people's lives who say they wanna go to places for God and do things for God. And I'm like, wow, well, you're gonna have to change your conversations then. You're gonna have to change the company that's traveling with you then because they're not gonna make it up the mountain. Neither are you gonna make it up the mountain if this is the conversation you're stuck in. (laughs) Honestly, I look at some people and I'm like, wow, you have a lot to say about a lot of things. You have a comment about everybody's comment. You have a criticism about everybody's post. You wanna tell everybody how they should do their job better. You know what that tells me? It tells me where they're living. They're living where there's a lot of air available. They're living at base camp. They're living at the bottom of the mountain. They have a lot of space and time to say a lot of things because when you are higher up at a higher altitude, you don't have time to make a comment about everyone's comment and a criticism about everyone's criticism because you are up the mountain. You're like, I ain't got time for that. That's why Nehemiah, when they tried to get him in a fight, is like, forget it. I ain't got time to come down and have that conversation. You wanna know where someone's living? Look at how many comments they have time to make. So Abraham's going up the mountain, he's like, I'm only gonna take the wood. He didn't, he didn't take a, a backup plan. I'm gonna take the wood and, ele- and an extra ram in case God doesn't come through. Your preparation reveals your expectation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna prepare to kind of show up at this church, but you know what? I've also found another church in case I don't like this church in a few months time. You know, I'm gonna stay as long as they say what I want them to say, but if they don't say what I want them to say, I'm gonna go. Listen, we've gotta get past the immaturity. There's so many Christians are stuck in and we've gotta get higher to a place where God is the authority in our lives. And we've gotta realize God is God, people are people. But if He's calling us higher, you have to start living in a way where your conversation's higher, your thoughts are higher, your actions are higher. Don't allow social media and the ways of this world to keep pulling you lower and lower and lower. God, help us when we're no better than the world around us. So Abraham begins the climb and he's prepared for the elevation and he's prepared for the journey ahead and he's prepared to go higher. And even the servants are like, where are you going? Why are we staying here? Why are you going higher? And he even says this, he says, don't worry, we're gonna go worship and then we'll be back. Just FYI for all you budding worship artists, 
The definition of worship is sacrifice. I wonder if we relabeled the worship ministry, the sacrifice ministry, whether we get as many people wanting to join. It's not about an album. It's not about your naming lights. It's about finding a higher altitude. God showed him the mountain, the elevation, and then God expects from him the preparation. God's shown some of you the mountain of forgiveness, the mountain that he wants you to sow into, the mountain that he wants you to climb up in the ways of you doing life and thinking. He's shown you the mountain. Why are you hanging around at base camp? Some of you are trying to get all your family to come with you. All your in-laws, outlaws to come with you. This is not a group booking. God showed you the mountain, not them. So he's climbing up the mountain and now it's just him and it's just his son and the conversations change because the air is thinner. The higher they go and the higher they climb, the perspective shifts. And it's exactly the same in the things of God. The higher you climb in the things of God, the more your perspective shifts and what bothered you down here doesn't bother you up here. And what was so important down here is not important up here because as you come higher and your thoughts are higher, His ways are higher, you are called to a higher ground and He gets up higher. And the Bible says that Abraham got to the place where God told him to go to the elevation that God told him to be at. Verse nine, so when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood in it and he bound his son and he laid him on the altar and on the top of the wood, he's going through with all the preparation. And then he reached out his hand and he took a knife to slay his son. But listen to this, but then the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, here I am says Abraham. The first time he heard that, Abraham, here I am. He was at the bottom of the mountain. Second time he hears that, Abraham, here I am. Though it's the same call, he's not in the same place. He's gone from the place where he heard to the place where he is doing what he heard to do. And by the way, between the first Abraham and the second Abraham, God said nothing, nothing. You would think, wouldn't you, when you are wrestling with the thought of sacrificing your son, you'd think at that point, maybe God would send a cheer squad. You can do it, you can do it, you're almost there. You think when you feel in that moment of, lo of loneliness because the other two are left behind and now you're having a difficult conversation with your son. Because by the way, I don't know what you believe about the Bible, but Isaac was not a baby. Bible commentary says he was probably in his early 20s. So you know there was a difficult conversation between father and son about what comes next. You think at that moment, God would show up, send an angel, say something, but God says nothing. Why? Because you haven't got where He told you to go yet. And God doesn't need to give you more instruction until you're in the place where He asked you to go. He's waiting for your obedience before He speaks the next thing over your life. And some of you are waiting for God to speak to you partway through the journey and He's not speaking to you because He hasn't changed His mind about the destination. 
When you forgive, you'll hear me. When you let it go, you'll hear me. When you do what I asked you to do, you'll hear me. But until you get to the place I told you to go, I have no new information for you. Abraham, I'm here, God. I'm at the top of the mountain that you told me to go up. I have the knife and the sacrifice that you told me to sacrifice. And in that place comes the third stage. He's at elevation, which led to preparation. But the third stage is all about revelation. Because at the top of the mountain, he suddenly sees something that he's never seen before. He suddenly realises God is so different than what he even understood when he was lower. And he utters these words, I name this mountain Jehovah Jireh. God is my provider. Because at the top of the mountain, God produces a ram. And at the top of the mountain, He says, you don't have to kill your son. And at the top of the mountain, He begins to speak to him about generation after generation and legacy upon legacy. At the top of the mountain, He has a revelation of aspects of God that He had no clue about at the bottom of the mountain. And it's time for the church to be a church of revelation, not quoting a podcast or saying what someone says He is, but doing the work to get to where He said we're to go so we can see what we need to see. You can't mess with a person of revelation. You can't steal from a person of revelation because they know that they know that they know. It's time for some of you to get off the treadmill, going through the motions. Some of you have been in this church for years. You've never served. Some of you just attend and fill a seat and then go about your life like there's nothing else for you to do because you're not in ministry. You are called by Almighty God to live a life that is a reflection of the King you serve. He needs you. You are required. Your voice, your hands, your feet, they are needed. But you'll never discover that at the bottom of the mountain. I pray today that every single member of this house, when God calls your name, you'd say, here I am. And from that place of honesty, God will begin to tell you about your future and your destiny. And I pray you'll do the work to make the climb. I pray you won't get altitude sickness at the height is calling to you, but you'll go higher and higher so that God can show you more and more of who He is. So all across the house today, I'm gonna ask us to stand to our feet as I close out our time. And I'm just gonna simply ask you where you are at today when it comes to your journey with God. Have you got stuck? Are you in a place where you know what God's requiring, but you're not sure that you wanna do it? Are you in a place where you're in the wrong conversations with the wrong company? Today is a day where you get to make a choice and a change. Some of your marriage, it needs to come up higher. Your parenting needs to come up higher. The gift that's on your life, it needs to come up higher. Your commitment needs to come up higher. If I could do it for you, I would, but I cannot. It is your mountain to climb that God is showing you. So all across the house, just close your eyes right where you're at. God, I pray today over this house. God, I pray you would show each one the mountain. God, I pray for a season of elevation. God, I pray for a season of shift. God, I pray for a move on the insides of men's and women's hearts. God, I pray we would not settle for what we've always had, but hunger and thirst for the more that is within you. God, I pray that we would change our conversation, change our company. God, I pray we'd come higher where the air is thinner, but the sight is more powerful and more beautiful as we see you more clearly. God, I pray for a house of revelation 
a revelation of Jehovah Jireh, a revelation of God our healer, a revelation of the way maker. God, let this not be just a song singing church, but a song that is written that has revelation that changes people's expectation. Pour out a fresh sense of hunger, God. Oh God, I pray for any that feel trapped in certain company, that they have the bravery to walk away knowing, God, that You are calling them higher. God, let us live with that here I am spirit that Abraham had, trusting in the testing, obeying in the hard times and climbing when no one else seems to want to climb. God, we do not want to climb our own mountain. There is no glory. There is no prize in our own mountain. God, we want to go where you say. We want to follow after your heart. And as eyes are closed all across this room and all the other campuses, I'm just asking one more thing. I don't know where you're at with God today. I have a feeling that for some of you, the base camp you're at is called rebellion, is called running away from God, that you've been far from Him for a while. You've been doing your own thing for a while. And today is a day of surrender, of coming back and saying, God, I need you. God, I wanna go higher. God, I wanna follow after you. And today is a day of maybe recommitment or for the first time giving Him your life. If you're saying that's me today, I know I need to start there. And as eyes are closed across this room, I'm just asking you simply to lift your hand. Say, that's me today. I'm at the base camp of that mountain. I've got to get my life right with God. I've got to get my, my hand back in His hand. I've got to begin to be follower again of Jesus all across the house. Just put your hand, if that's you, on your heart. And I'm just going to say these words. And I'm just going to ask every single person in this room to repeat these words after me to help you today in this decision. So say these words. Dear God, today I come and I choose to surrender. God, I ask for your forgiveness. And I choose to follow your ways. Today is a day of salvation. Today I follow you, God all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name, amen and amen. Let's give all those people a round of applause.